Greetings, Internet listeners. This is Mr. Announcer with The Complacence Podcast. The Complacence originally aired from September 1995 to June 1996, live on WNUR-FM, Evanston, Illinois. This is Episode 3 of The Complacence. This is the first episode of several to come for which a member of the regular cast was not present, which always necessitated a creative solution. And by the way, any resemblance between the action in this episode and any events that may have happened in real life in the late 1960s is purely coincidental. And there is also an installment of the superheroic adventures of The Curtain and the Major League Super Crime Busters. As with the previous episode, here is a note about the subject matter in that segment. The next voice you hear is coming to you from October 14th, 1995. Last week on The Complacence. I still have to say my job in the music business. What are you talking about, mister? You said in order to save your job, you just had to find yourself a rock and roll band that would make it big. And here we are. No, Johnny, it ain't that way. That ain't that easy. You see, Agnew Adiro, the president of Flaming Highway Records, he, he wants a demo tape for you guys in three hours. You've been doing nothing all day but sitting around and playing pocket pool. Hey, I cleared the table thrice. Well, make yourself useful and get out of here. Go find us some maracas. What's that shiny red thing? That is no ordinary piece of jewelry, my son. It is the ruby ring of Hammurabi. It is said that the ring endows its wearer with the mystical scarab sense. Then what did you bring already? It's in this basket. A tisket? A tasket? No, this. Yahoo! Gee, John, she can't arrest society in half. It's a rattlesnake. Where on earth did you get that? I, I got it uh, on earth. Tell us who you are, what you are, fella. My name is Swami Salami, and I've come to claim what is rightfully mine. And what's that? My snake. My ring, my ring, my ring. Oh, darkest day. Oh, deepest blue funk. Ooh, that nasty Swami. Pig, shut up and help me look for the tape. I'll never forget you, ring. In addition to cash awards, a member of the winning rooting section chosen at random will receive American Tourister Men's or Ladies Carry-On Club Tote. Unique continental styling designed to go everywhere. Strong, lightweight luggage by American Tourister. And rice aroni the big flavor side dish that's so quick, so easy. Saute and scimitar flavor perfection. rice aroni the San Francisco treat. Growing up in Hatfield, McCoy country, I learned... If a man, or even a swami, takes what's yours, you take it back and make him pay real good. I say we go after him, fellas. Now let's see. He's got the demo tape on top of one of those marble columns, and my ruby ring on top of the other one. It looks like I could push these columns over, and Swami Salami is standing right on the edge of the pit of hell. Hey, where'd he get one of those? Well, only no time to think about that now. I'll never be able to defeat Swami Salami's magic. So I've got to make the most of this chance. But which column do I push over? Pig, you saved the day. That was really brave, especially having to make such a big sacrifice like that. Giving up your ruby ring and all. Fig, was, what's that on your finger? Uh, Fig, why are you wearing a ruby ring? Fig, why are you wearing a ruby ring? Fig! How much time is left? Chumpa, Janetto seconds. We still got five minutes. 
You guys can record something cool in five minutes, can't you? Yeah? Well, maybe. Let me think. Who's that chasing our band around? Swami Islami. Well, boys, you wouldn't believe it, but the boss actually liked your stuff. I believe it. You should have seen it. Agnew Arduro, president of Flaming Highway Records, drooling over your sounds like it was meatloaf. Uh, the food, that is. You see, he's fat. Likes to eat. Food. week's story begins as Johnny Angelo hurries out of Quonset Hut Pizza, which is packed with customers as usual. And I'm going to miss it if you don't get out of my way, General. I understand, my boy. The world is yours. It's your world, son. It's your world. That's tender mad, Private Blindy. I told you that's a ticket one personal check. Thank goodness I got out of there. I thought I'd never get loose to prey upon the populace of a fair fraction of my female fan faction. Excuse me, ma'am, but is this the place where the Johnny Angelo fan club for ladies only is meeting? Yes, it is, sonny, but you ain't no lady. Damn straight I'm no lady. I'm Johnny Angelo, the popular iconoclast around which this fan club for ladies only is based. I have come here in search of female fans who wish to show me their love. Oh, be still, my heart. You finally come to take me away and gently sing me to sleep with your toe-tapping rock and roll music. You mean you're the only one here? But I heard... Oh, all the young ladies are at home watching The X-Files. It's a very engaging show, I hear. If it's so engaging, why ain't you home watching it? Oh, it's too rambunctious for a 74-year-old like me. Besides, I was abducted by aliens in my youth, and sometimes those plots hit a little too close to home. I'm getting out of here. What about singing me to sleep? Huh. X-Files. Buck up, Angelo. You ain't gone a week without getting some feminine action since you was 12. Ain't nobody gonna stop you from getting what you need now. Oh, my God. Johnny. Johnny Angelo. Who's that? Oh, Johnny, you remember? It's me, Tony. Oh, yeah. Tony. I remember you. Yeah. Oh, Johnny, it's been such a long time since we last talked. Uh, yes, it has. How long has it been now? Oh, about ten years. Ten years. 
Ten years. What happened ten years ago? We were both twelve. Tony, now I remember you. Oh, Johnny, I somehow hope that after all this newfound fame, you'd still remember me. Well, I do, Buttercup, and I have a proposition for you. How about you and me go back to my place, have a couple glasses of wine, chat about old times, and make love all night long? Oh, Johnny, we were so much younger before. You know I can't. I'm married now. I have two kids. I can't be unfaithful to my husband and children. Besides, I'm your cousin. Well, it's been pleasant talking to you again, Tony. Give my love to the family. I will, Tony. Bye bye. Oh, I was so close. Married. I don't believe it. <sighs> What on earth am I gonna do? It's getting late. Certainly, there's no more ladies up at this unholy hour. What ho? Who approaches? Oh my God! It's the prettiest friggin' woman I've ever seen. Just from laying eyes on her now, can I tell that she is the woman with whom I was meant to be? Hello, ma'am. Hmm. Just walked right by. She must not have heard me over the frictional sounds of her denim corduroy trousers. Hey, no problem. I'll just talk to her louder this time. Here we are, airline passenger, O'Hare International Airport. We can't be at O'Hare already. We just left my office building. Yeah, the traffic on the Kennedy was really with us today. That'll be a dollar fifty-five. We didn't get on the Kennedy. You didn't turn off Adams Street. That's right. I forgot. It's a new shortcut. Really saves a lot of time, doesn't it? Well, I guess so. Although this doesn't look like O'Hare. It's the new terminal, the one your airline's serving now. Hey, that reminds me. I didn't tell you which airline I'm flying on. I saw your ticket in your pocket. But I don't have a ticket. I'm using electronic ticketing. All I do is show a photo ID at the gate and get on the plane. Say, that shortcut saved a lot of time, didn't it? Why don't I walk you to your gate? I guess so. I usually like to stop in the airport lounge for a drink. I hope this new terminal has a lounge. I think it does, actually. Say, this new terminal is pretty nice. This staircase would be a great place to film a movie, but it doesn't look very handicapped accessible. Well, that's the airport lounge right over there. Why is it called Choo Choo Charlie? I think it's because they serve food too. You know, chew your food. I'll have a gin and tonic. That's our on track special today. On track special. Sure, everyone has to sign a contract. The pilot, the flight engineer, the stewardesses. Amtrak announces that a departure of Hiawatha service to Glenview, Stuyvesant, and Milwaukee on track fifteen. Hiawatha service track fifteen. What was that? We've got to go. That was the last call for your flight. But my flight doesn't leave for another hour. They're boarding flights a lot earlier these days. Follow me. Shouldn't there be metal detectors somewhere around here? Security is so advanced these days. They don't use the old kind of metal detector anymore. Is, is this the gate already? This is a strange-looking jetway. Get on the plane, quick! Through that door up there. This is the plane. Where are the wings? It's the new model from Boeing. Okay. Well, thanks for all your help. Have a nice flight. Sucker. Hi there. You may recognize me as the bartender from earlier in this little drama we've presented here. Although this has certainly been fun, it's not so fun when this happens in real life. Every day, thousands of people just like you mistake train stations for airports. The next time you're heading for an airport, keep the following mental checklist in mind: Do you see runways around, or just city streets? 
Are there metal detectors or no security checkpoints whatsoever? Is the lounge named Airport Lounge or Sleeping Car Steve's? And finally, does your vehicle you're about to board have wings and a tail or locomotives and a dining car? There's just no substitute for air travel. Brought to you by America's Airlines, taking you up into the air and then putting you back down somewhere else since 1914. Hey, Creamsicle, where are you? We have to talk about this. I'm right here. Oh, sorry, I couldn't see around this large woman. Hello there, woman. Hi there. Creamsicle, can I speak to you in private? Uh, sure, kiddo, uh, just a seco. Now, Alanis, you have to file all these periodicals alphabetically in, in these cabinets here. That's not too hard, now, is it, dear? Creamsicle, come on, I've, I've got to talk to you. Yeah, what? Uh, over here. Okay, it's, it's about Fig. He's down in the basement with Fred. Uh, you're not implying... You're not actually saying... Gunner, you're, you're no, not... No, no, it's not like that. It's just figs. Hey, what about these porn zines? Yeah, I file them too. I uh, put them in back where no one can find them. Under secret. What, the special thing? Yeah, over by that. Porn zines? So what about fig? Special thing? So what about fig? Um, well, he's in the soundproof booth. Oh, no! That's just what I was afraid of! What? But he goes in there all the time. I know, and he never cleans up after himself. I end up going in there and finding strawberries and cream all over the place, if you know what I mean. Well, Fig does like his berries wild, but you won't have to go in there this time. Thank you, gods of sticky sin. He locked himself in. Oh no! With all those strawberries and cream? No, accidentally, with nothing but his accordion. Thank you, gods of polka. So, what can we do? Parcheesi? Not right now. You beat me every time anyway. Well, where should I put the parcheesi? Put it away! I'm sick of those cutesy dice and that stinky board. Honestly, Alanis, please try to pay attention. God, it stinks. Let's get out of here. Basement ho! Don't ever refer to me in that way again. Uh, sure, you got it, lady. Let's go. Oh, hello. He's been asking for you. Go right in. I think he's strong enough now for visitors. Thank you. Fig? Fig, can you hear me? Dance a jig if you can hear me, Fig. Hey, he's doing it. Uh, no, that's... I'm sorry to say he was doing that before. It's his new dance, the Polkahatas. Then he can't hear us. Oh, I'm afraid not. I'm sorry. Yeah, me too. We need that accordion for the new album. That weenie. Look, he's trying to communicate. Uh, let's see. Where, where does that dictionary of Morse code? Oh, here it is. He appears to be saying, I will never write pig Latin comedy again. Are you sure you're reading that right? Oh, no, it's upside down. He's really saying, get me out of here. What are we going to do? Oh, hi, Alanis. Maybe I could break into the booth with my safe-cracking tools. Alanis, I don't even want to know. Do you have any real suggestions? Yes. Go soak your head. Ah! It really clears the mind. You might think of something then. She has a point. Uh, let's get that head of yours into some moist junk. I mean water, some hot water. Bathroom ho! She already said she doesn't like that name. What name? What are you talking about, Creamsicle? I don't know. I don't want to duck my head in warm water. It reminds me too much of junior high. Well, I don't see what we can do now. We'll have to call the locksmith or something. And I've got to get to work on this new album. All right, let's go up to the main studio. Fred, you stay here and keep an eye on Fig. Make sure he stays out of the cream. 
what have I been doing this whole time? How the g hash brown should I know? I've been talking to Gunna. I can't babysit you guys every minute. Coffee, anyone? Oh, How could you spill on all three of us at once? That's amazing. I'm not your average nightmare secretary. Man, nothing gets coffee out. Last week on The Curtain, our hero, The Curtain, swiftly evaded certain death at the hands of the evil Brotherhood of Fiends and Latter-day Antiheroes, led by the disturbingly brilliant and maleficent Dr. Nightmare, by quickly exploring the various features of his costume. Confounded, Dr. Nightmare ordered the Brotherhood to split up for purposes of increasing the girth of their havoc wreakage. With the help of a local hot dog vendor and Debbie Duncan, his lady love, the curtain successfully incapacitated the silent seam ripper and the demonic Dark Bucky, two of Dr. Nightmare's more sinister lackeys. Realizing that seam ripper and Dark Bucky have been taken out of commission, Dr. Nightmare, from the top of the World Trade Center, dispatches Bizarro Monkey Boy to pick up where the others left off in driving away street vendor business. When last we saw the curtain and his new sidekick, Mini Blinds, they were just witness to a startling announcement by Blitzkrieg Man that the World Trade Center was going to blow up in eight minutes. Kilo to nightmare. Kilo to nightmare. Over. Ah, Captain Kilo, how fares the basement theater of battle? What do you mean, nightmare? What are you trying to imply? Relax, Captain Kilo. I'm only trying to take stock of your current situation. Well... Approximately 20 minutes ago, I set off the poisonous gas bombs. About five minutes ago, I found my gas mask. About five seconds ago, I realized the gas was helium. Bah! It is of no significance. Have you heard it all from Blitzkrieg Man? When he made that announcement over the bullhorn earlier, he forgot to turn it on. Thus, the volume of his message was purely his natural voice. He rodeoed me and told me this information right before acquiring severe throat nodules and then laryngitis. Bob Blitzkrieg man needs no voice to perpetrate mass destruction. Speaking of which, how goes the battle on the rooftop? Better than anticipated, actually. Some foolish youngsters approached me firing these odd little fist guns, but bizarro monkey boy made short work of them. Rowdy teenage hoodlums. They're the reason I dropped out of high school and studied on my own. Anyway, mass destruction was achieved on to such a point that I allowed Bizarro Monkey Boy a short break to go wreak havoc on the street vendors below. In fact, he jumped over the side not three seconds ago. Suddenly, on the ground... Hey, what on earth is that flying down towards us? Big Monkey Man, calm down! Ah! Owie! Bizarro Monkey Boy not land evenly. Sleep on something. Break legs. Oh my god, you've landed on top of cur I mean the curtain. Who lady? I'm mini blinds. Sounds like hero name. Me squash you flat. Not if I stand further away than arm's length. Bizarro monkey boy can roll towards you. Roll, roll towards her. Curtis, are you still alive under there? Me not move. Me would set free hero man. Well, if you don't get off of him, how are you going to squash me? Lady has good point. Dark Bucky, how will Bizarro Monkey Boy stop Lady if he no can get up? You won't, stupid, now that me at Seam Rip have arrived, albeit with ice on our heads. 
Oh, no! Don't move a muscle, midi blinds. There's no way for you to escape now. Dr. Nightmare's on his way down as we speak. Captain Killos coming up for the bracement. And here comes Blitzkrieg Man with a mug of hot tea. Ugh, I am so stupid. I didn't know you feel down, seems ever. Silence, you two. Dark Bucky, tie up little Miss Mini Blinds. Bizarro Monkey Boy, continue sitting on the curtain's upper body. You two so-called superheroes are about to bear witness to a spectacular sight. Seconds from now, when Blitzkrieg Man gets his voice back, he is going to shatter the World Trade Center into atomic-sized fragments with his mighty Alemannic bark. Backed up, of course, by some of Germany's finest industrial music. You fiend! Curtis, we've got to think of a way to get out of this! <laughs> oh, if only Bizarro Monkey Boy weren't sitting on top of you so I could hear what you were saying! I'm bored with all this waiting. How's your voice, Blitzkrieg? Figaro, 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 Figaro. Blitzkrieg man, commence mass destruction. You'll commence nothing, evil brotherhood of fiends and latter-day anti-heroes. No, it's Dr. Patriot. Major League Super Crime Busters roll call. Lady Victory. Mr. Shammy. Benevolent Girl. Announcer Man. And I'm Dr. Patriot. And together we are the Major League Super Crime Busters, a division of the United Crime Busters of America Incorporated Foundation. No! I'll help you! Ugh, my God. Over here! Hurt you! The evil brotherhood has finally been trounced. Take them away, officers. It's about time we showed up. This epic battle may not be fought, retransmitted, or rebroadcast by any means without the express written consent of Major League Super Crime Busters. Guys, thanks for saving our lives. No problem. Say, you and your unconscious friend here look like superheroes. We are. What do you call yourselves? <laughs> He's the curtain, and I'm his sidekick, Mini Blinds. Interesting. So you have this window motif. Very cool. Do you two have a base of operations? Well, his apartment, I guess. This is our first battle. Not bad for the first time out of the bucket. Uh, Dr. Patriot, what do you say we join them up with us? <laughs> Excellent suggestion, Mr. Shemming. I was just thinking that we needed to expend our roster since Deli Man was eaten in battle and Fast Girl is away on pregnant leave. So how about it? Do you want to join up with us? That sounds like a terrific idea to me. Oh. And so the evil brotherhood has been put away, and the curtain and his sidekick, Mini Blinds, are to be inducted into the Major League Super Crime Busters. But what will happen when the Super Crime Busters find out about the curtain's mysterious past? Will they forgive? Could they ever forget? Tune in next week to The Curtain when you will hear Lady Victory say... Darn it all! That's the last time I wear white into a battle! Good evening, fellas. Sorry I'm late. You ought to be sorry, hey, Seed. We got serious work to do. Yeah, Johnny. You've got to lay down the backing vocals on Sarajevo Sunset and the drums on Crib Death. And we can't even start working on Anguish until you record your backwards bagpipe solo. Don't you worry your pretty little head about nothing, Gunner. Everything's going to turn out just fine. Nothing's going to turn out at all unless you get your ass in gear. 
What with Fig roughing up the suspect in the soundproof booth and your lollygagging, we'll never get Revolution X out on time to have a significant impact on the elections. Gunner, I've been meaning to have a talk with you about that song. Uh, it goes double for me, kiddo. The kids don't go for that kind of blood social commentary these days. If you have to write about rebellion, why don't you do some numbers about smoking pot and being bored? Or cutting yourself? Actually, I'd rather do a few good old-fashioned love songs. You know, something that gives your heartstrings a nice firm tug. Like Teddy Bear. Are you out of your mind? See, that's the problem. You've been writing out of your mind when you ought to be writing out of your heart. Davy Byrne might have made a lot of people think with his big suit and his funny twitching. But I don't know anyone who ever fell in love to Psycho Killer. He could learn a little something if he took his nose out of a book for a minute and let a little Vanessa Williams and Richie Marx into his tiny heart. I will not dignify that with a response. Adrian, do you have any pledge? Do I have any... Wait a minute, what are you cleaning, Alanis? This little doohickey that says Tazcam on it. I gave it a good soaking, but it's still... Holy jeez, Alanis, stay away from the effects board, for Christ's sake! Why did you go organize my rotating tie rack? I bet he had... Go clean behind the toilet again. Well, I guess you're the boss, but that rust ain't coming out. I can't believe this. Between Adrian's secretary trashing our equipment... And Johnny's, and, and Johnny's sudden yearning for the debilitating opiate of vapid pop tripe will never finish this record. You don't need to cry. What's wrong a little bit of What's wrong a little bit of sunshine, wet blanket? I've been working on a little ditty called "My Love Is Stronger Than a Very Strong Man." And I think the ladies would really go for my unadulterated honesty and passion. Man, you're a real piece of work. You've had your head so far up your ass lately, you can see out your mouth. Wow, very Escher. What is with you, anyway? I'll tell you what's with me if you can keep your trap shut for a couple of verses. Well, everybody is so I need some love, and you know if there's no ladies around. Then I just head into town and find a girl that I like. I take her out for a bite, then we go back to my place and get it on. Was riding out, I was down because I still hadn't found a lovely female to court that I might have to resort to methods unorthodox. I had to snare me a fox, but then she came round the bend, and there she was. She was the girl of my dreams, was wearing corduroy jeans, a skin tight lavender shirt. She made my genitals hurt. I asked her if she'd like to go out and talk. She looked at me with squinty eyes and told me to walk. Don't make me cry. was the girl of my dreams, was wearing corduroy jeans, a skin tight lavender shirt, she made my genitals hurt. I scratched my head as she walked off down the street, the first time that my reputation preceded me. She took my heart, tore me apart, why must the girl of my dreams be wearing corduroy jeans? I turned round, saw a girl before I had missed, we hurried back to my place for some passionate don't see the irony Although the girl in my dreams is wearing corduroy jeans So that's what's been nagging you all this time. The bitch won't put out. 
I'm genuinely touched. Yeah, well, I'm not picking up Angelo Slack just because he's got blue balls. Slack, nothing. I've got six albums worth of ballads in my big old hut, and I'm planning on locking myself in my apartment until I record them all on my full track. At least you're not doing an entire U2 album like that last time you wanted to impress a chick. And as for your artsy-fartsy protest songs, you can keep them, you commie. I'm doing love songs and nothing but until I win me this beautiful young lady. Oh, so you're just using the complacence to satisfy your overactive libido, is that it? Uh, take it easy there, tough guy. Forget it, Creamy. Forget it, Creamy. I'm blowing this pop stand, and I ain't coming back without love in my arms. Good riddance. Call me when you get a life, an artistic identity, and a social conscience, you lowbrow twit. Now it's time for everyone's favorite game show in which contestants show their ability to spot a value. It's... $5! And here's your host of $5, Quint Pensinko. Hello and thank you. Welcome to this episode of $5. You all know the rules, so let's begin. Bob Z? Our first contestant today on $5 is a housewife from Montgomery, Alabama. Please welcome Ida Hartz. Hello, Ida. How are you doing? Oh, fine, Quint. Ida, it says here you're a housewife. Yes, I am. So what's it like being married to a house? <laughs> <laughs> well, the sex is great. Ahem. Well, let's get started. Ida, I know you're going to be excited because here's what you could win. It's an oak desk set. This desk's attractive wood construction makes for a comfortable study space, a place to hold paper clips, or somewhere to put your computer. The Oak Desk Set by Westinghouse. Well, there you see it, Ida. Now that prize can be yours for five dollars. Oh. Take, take it! Take it! Take it! Take it! Oh, I don't know. Take it! Take it! Five dollars! Take it! Five dollars! We have a winner. Thank you, Ida. Who's our next contestant, Bob Z? Our next contestant is a custodian from Montgomery, Alabama. Meet Chuck Nelson. Hi, Chuck. Welcome to Five Dollars. It's great to be here. So you're a custodian, huh? Tell me, where do you work as a custodian? In a movie theater? No, in a massage parlor. Well, I figured you work at a movie theater. You know, Cust-Odian? <laughs> no, I work at a massage parlor. I mop up semen. Okay, well, let's look at what Chuck could win, Bob Z. It's a Frigidaire refrigerator. This model features such luxuries as shelves in the door, egg holders shaped like real egg butts, crisper, sealed crisper. This refrigerator also keeps your food cool day or night, sort of like a thermos. Frigidaire, because it has frigid air. Now, Chuck, would you like to take home this fridge for five dollars? Take it, take it, take it, yes. All right, we're two for two. Now, Bob Z, call me up another winner. Our next contestant is a window dresser from Mobile, Alabama. Meet Brenda Hetman. 
Brenda, very, very lovely lady you are. Thank you. And what a lovely outfit you've got on there. I hope when you dress those windows, you dress them up half as nice. <laughs> but tell me, Brenda, when you're dressing those windows, where do you keep the clothes? Well, of course, you know, we actually dress the mannequins, not the windows themselves. And while we're doing that, we keep the clothes on a special rack that keeps them from getting wrinkled. Oh, I was thinking, since you're a window dresser, maybe you kept them in your drawers. Oh, no, I don't wear underwear. Oh, ho! Well, let's get off that. I guess you could say I'm a vanity chest. Maybe later, but now we have to play five dollars. Bob Z, tell the lovely Brenda what she can win. A free car wash at the Tropic World Asia Car Wash. This drive-through safari takes you through a lifelike tropical rain jungle in which simulated thunderstorms every 15 minutes rinse off your car while real monkeys scrub your finish with soapy sponges. Just be sure to watch out for the crapping toucans on the way out. That's the Tropical World Asia Car Wash, now with an Ebola-free guarantee. There it is, Brenda, and it can be yours for only... Five dollars. Take it. Take it. Take it. I'll take it. Do you have change for a twenty? Oh, I'm sorry. You know the rules. Better luck next time. Well, that's all the time we have for five dollars. Just remember, till next time, if it doesn't cost five dollars, you're probably not on this TV show. Prizes were furnished to this show for free. As we rejoin the complacents, we find Adrian Creamsicle really upset about something. I'm really upset about something. Was it something I said? No, Alanis, listen. I told you to write the People's Court on my calendar in green. And what happens? Today, I completely forget it's on thanks to you. But I wrote it on your calendar every day at 2.30. But did you write it in green? Well, no. I couldn't find a green pen, so I wrote it in red. Oh, okay. So you wrote it in red. Well, the pages of the calendar are light pink. I have a vision disorder, so every shade of red looks exactly the same to me. I didn't know. You really should tell me these things. That's why I told you to write it in green. This is the last straw. You're fired. Clean out your desk and get out of here. But I don't have a desk, Mr. Creamsicle. Okay, Creamy Ranch, I think we've made a breakthrough in the fig situation. You have? What happened? Uh, they're on sale for $2 a pound at the supermarket down the street. What kind of thing is that to say? I'd expect that from fig, maybe, but you? I couldn't help it. I guess his kind of humor is just kind of rubbed off on me. You know, even though he was really annoying, I kind of like the guy. Kind of like the guy? He's not dead, he's just trapped in the soundproof roof. But for all we know, he could be dead. Gunner, I don't like you talking like that. Fig is just as valued and important a member of this band as you, or Johnny Angelo, or, uh, well, the three of you are way ahead of that other guy. Mr. Creamsicle, I got the door to the soundproof booth open. Jumpin' jelly sandwiches! Why'd you come all the way upstairs before you told me? I better go down and see if he's all right. Uh, turns out he somehow managed to lock himself into the cabinet under the console. Hey, what happened to Crim de Menth's secretary? I probably fired her, finally. Because I was just thinking, his desk is way too messy. I think I'm going to do something nice for him, because he's been so nice to us. I'm going to clean his desk. Twenty-three minutes later... 
there we go. I've completely reorganized every single thing inside and on top of his desk, plus all the filing cabinets and even the books on his bookshelf. Say, how do you like the People's Court? I love it. Why? Well, we missed the 2.30 episode on one channel, but there's another channel that shows it right now. Let's go to the TV room. Shouldn't you leave a note telling Mr. Creamsicle what you did? No, we'll let it be a surprise. One Doug Llewellyn interview later... You didn't tell me he was locked underneath the console, Fred. I've been spending all this time trying to get him out. Fred? I uh, must be watching TV or something. Anyway, I just remembered I had a book in here about getting people out of boxes. Let's see, it was called something like, uh, How to Get People Out of Boxes. I think it had a blue cover. Well, never mind. I'll see if I can find a paperclip or something to try to pick the lock. What the? What happened to all my paperclips? This place is such a mess. What if I use my Swiss Army knife? Where the hell is it? I thought it was in the top drawer. Oh, this is hopeless. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I need my secretary back. And then when Wapner asked her if her dog had ever shown any signs of aggression before, I think that was the turning point of the case. Have you seen my secretary? What was her name? Alanis? Uh, not recently. We thought you fired her. I did fire her, but I need her back. Wait a second. Maybe she took the bus here. That means she'll probably still be waiting at the bus stop. It's worth a shot. I'll be back later. He's so hyper. Want to watch Supermarket Sweep? No, I can. I have to get to the studio. But Johnny Angelo's not here, and Fig's still stuck in the box. I just feel inspired all of a sudden. Besides, through the magic of multi-track recording, I can lay down my parts now without having to wait for them. Well, I'm, I like Supermarket Sweep, so I'm going to watch it. If you're at the stadium and a baseball player bunts, you'll be eating a hot dog with ketchup by Hunt's. Uh, pick up a few Farmer John's hams for me, Fred. One giant inflatable can of soup later. Oh, who was I kidding? I need at least Johnny Angelo to be here so I can work out this arrangement. Did someone say my name? There you are. Where have you been? And who's that with you? Is that... It sure is. Gunna, this is Michelle. Michelle, this is our guitarist, Gunna. Nice to meet you, Gunner. But where are the other two guys in the band? Well, Fred is and he isn't in the band. And Fig... Fig's just being Fig. He's locked in the cabinet under the console in the soundproof booth in the basement. So, Johnny, what happened? I did just what you told me, Gunner, and it worked. I wooed her in the forest glade, and now she's mine. All mine. I can't find her anywhere. Oh, why, oh, why? Say, you're a woman. Can you type? No. Can you file? No. I'm desperate, though. I'm prepared to offer you a very generous salary to be my new secretary. I'd really rather concentrate on my art. I think holding a job would stunt my creativity. Oh, why do these things always happen to me? And I take it that that was your manager? Yeah, that was Adrian Creamsicle, who brought us all together as the complacents. So, Johnny, I had an idea for the bass riff on Revolution X, and I want to run it by you. Well, Michelle had some ideas of her own about that song. Right. Now, forget the bass and forget the guitar. Just have Johnny singing, backed up by a string quartet and a choir of children. A string quartet? Where are we going to find one of those? I play cello, and I have three friends who play the other instruments. We all sound great together. But our sound really isn't that kind of sound. How do you feel about the euphonium, Johnny? I think it would make a wonderful addition to that song you sang me earlier. If you like it, I like it. Come on, let's go talk about that sound collage I want to do. Okay, dear. Isn't she great, Gunner? Oh, yeah, she's great. Just great. Everybody hop 
The Complacence, Adrian Creamsicle brings the band some bad news. We got a complimentary copy of the New York Times delivered to the studio. Anyone want to read it? Gunner threatens to break up the band. Uh, I'm going to tell the one about the kangaroo and the Pope now. Johnny Angelo makes a surprise announcement. It's my birthday tomorrow. Plus, Fig will tell you if soundproof booth living represents the future of suburban developments. That's coming up in 167 hours on the next episode of The Complacence. And stay tuned for more exciting freeform programming here on 89.3 WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago's Sound Experiment. Back now in the present, here's what's actually coming up on the next episode. Johnny and Gunner come to blows and wind up in the hospital with Fig. Until next time, this has been The Complacence Podcast. This is Mr. Announcer speaking.